Welcome to the Medical Menemist Podcast, your source for memory techniques and accelerated learning in higher education. Now, here's your host, Chase DeMarco. Hello, everyone. Just a quick note, we did have some issues with recording this one. For some reason, maybe because everybody is using Zoom these days, we had a lot of technical difficulties, but we're able to restart it. Got rid of some of the issues, some still existed, but there is still a lot of great content in this episode, so I hope you will listen all the way through. And on a separate note, our Read This Before Medical School book sales have been going up pretty steadily lately, and we really appreciate your support. If you are one that has read the book, please go to freemeded.org slash book review. Your positive reviews help us so much to bring this content to others, and they also help to negate some of the nonsensical reviews that some people leave sometimes. All right, I hope you'll enjoy this third installation of Gamification for Medical Education. Today, we have Nayana Samaratna. I think I almost got that right. The CEO and co-founder of Medical Joyworks and the Prognosis app series. Naranya, how are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me on the podcast, Chase. I'll let you correct me. How exactly do you say your name? It's Nayana Somaratna. So the A's at the end are kind of short. Yeah, even with the practice before we hopped on here, it's not something that comes natural to my tongue for some reason. So I'm glad you could correct me there. Tricky, yeah. And I think we've already started off with a couple of technical issues here getting started and probably going to have some more, but I am still excited that we're going to have a lot of value with this content because not only is your app series, your gamified medical education series, one of the first introductions to gamifying medical education that I ran into several years ago, but it's a very popular one. It's one that a lot of students know something about. And I think we would all kind of like to know a little bit more about the background about the creation of it, who uses it, and maybe a little bit more about you as the CEO and co-founder. What made you start this? Sure. A little bit about my company. So my company is Medical Joyworks, and we create interactive learning resources for medical students, residents, and primary care physicians. That's kind of our target. As you said, uh, Prognosis is our most popular app, which a lot of people, medical professionals use. We also have Clinical Sense and Explain Medicine. We work well together with Prognosis. And we also have Clinical Sense University, which is the institutional edition of Medical Sense. As for myself, first of all, I'm from Sri Lanka, as my accent probably tells you. Even though Medical Joyworks itself is incorporated in the US and you know we have an international team with people from Europe, Asia, South America, the US as well, and Africa. Basically, my background I'm a doctor by training. I've been a doctor for about a decade now, actually over a decade, so I guess I'm getting older. I also have a degree in information technology, which I did in parallel uh, with my medical degree. After finishing all those studies, I started a law degree a couple of years ago and actually did my final exams in March this year. Hopefully, I thought that I'd be able to practice law by now, but thanks to COVID, who knows when. Messing up so many things right now, I know, but congratulations. congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. How Medical Joyworks came about, maybe I'll start from the beginning. I always loved computers and programming. Ever since my dad brought a Commodore 64 machine into our house, I taught myself how to program by reading one of his books when I was seven. Afterwards, I started competing in programming competitions. 
I got a gold medal at the International Olympiad in informatics all the way back in 2001. And I really thought, you know, I'd go into computer science. But you know the South Asian stereotype, right? If you're not a doctor, engineer, or lawyer, you're a failure. So my parents were like, you need to do medicine. I told them, okay, so fine, I'll sit the college entrance test. So Sri Lanka has a common test, which about 100,000 candidates sit each year. At that time, they only had 600 medical school positions. So I told my parents like, hey, okay, I'll sit this once. But if I fail, I'm going to do computer science. And they were like, okay. Unfortunately, I passed. So I entered medical college. When I entered medical college, I'll be frank, I found learning medicine really boring. I can remember my first lecture. So it was on physiology, I think, on the homeostasis of water. So I walk into the lecture hall, sit down. It's an hour's lecture. I won't name names, but this person conducts a lecture. And after that time, like, I could have read this stuff in about 10 minutes and made good use of the other 50. I'm not going to go to any more lectures. And actually, for my entire five years in medical college, because in Sri Lanka, it's five years, I think I would have attended five odd lectures. I just utilized that time for something else. I did start enjoying medicine once we entered clinical training in the third year, because then I was like, oh, wow. So now you need to speak to real people. You need to elicit symptoms and signs. You need to sort of weave all those together to figure out what their problem is. And then you need to figure out the best treatment plan. And that was so cool. From the third year onwards, you know, I really had a fun time. It's at that point that I really started to understand like, okay, so this is what being a doctor is. This is what we do. And this is why medicine is so rewarding. Once I graduated, I did my one year internship in order to get my registration to practice medicine. The internship was quite involved, but it was also great fun. Once I finished that, I continued working at the same hospital for a few months. So during one of the nights when I was on call, just going a bit back. So in parallel with medical college, in my first year of medical college, I started a small software development company with a friend of mine. And we used to do development work for clients in the US and other countries during the afternoons and nights, you know, when I should have been studying medicine. Around that time, so this is in late 2009, a client of mine contacted me and he's like, hey, can you write an iPhone app for me? I'll ship over an iPhone for you and do everything. I was like, sure. If you are throwing a free iPhone in, sure, I'll do it. And when I got that iPhone, suddenly, you know, I realized, wow, this thing, you know, it's like a mirror into a different universe. It's going to change everything. And what can I do on it? It's at that point where the idea of a prognosis came to me. Because so I was thinking, yeah, wait, what's fun about medicine is the clinical part. It's applying your knowledge. So maybe I can come up with this sort of game format where you're presented with a patient can run tests against that patient. You have to select how to manage it. And then the app will tell you what you did right, what you did wrong. And maybe there's a small explanation at the end to really talk about how a clinician, an expert in that field would manage it. So that night itself, fueled by, I don't know how many cups of coffee, I hammered out a prototype on my MacBook then and there. And I showed it to my consultant and the rest of my staff in the morning. And they were like, okay, this is quite cool. Then I was like, okay, wait. Everyone seems to like this. So what if I put this on the app store? And I spoke to my co-founder, the co-founder of our software development company and said, look, I think there's potential here. Would you like to do this with me? And he was like, yes. So we spent around a month really building the prognosis app properly. There was lots of fine tuning. We discarded various ideas. We were like, okay, what is the worst thing about the doctor-patient encounter? What do doctors not like? 
taking a history and examination. It's the diagnosis part, which is fun. So we kind of fine-tuned the prognosis app and released it on the App Store in October 2010. From the first day onwards, we started getting a decent number of downloads. But things really skyrocketed about three weeks later in November when we became the number one free medical app in the U.S. From that point onwards, we never really looked back. So from you know just two people and a shipped over iPhone, we've come quite a way to today. <laughs> yeah, and as someone currently in the process of trying to build an app, I understand how tedious some of the back and forth can be and making sure everything is just right and just a lot of things that can go wrong with that. Absolutely. You know, it takes you a few days to develop it and then multiply that time by 10 to really perfect the experience, right? Right. And that was something that I really loved about the Prognosis app was that it was kind of this step-by-step process. It really made you feel like you were experiencing everything all at once, like you do on the clinicals. You said you learned so much more when you were in clinicals, when you got out of the classroom and were able to start putting everything together. And I feel like that is kind of what Prognosis helps students and medical professionals do that might have blocked certain clinical experiences in the past or they haven't received their clinical experiences yet. It kind of gives an insight into, all right, we need to figure out this first, then ask appropriate questions. Mm -hmm. What do you want to do next? What tests are you going to run? What medications could you give? And allowing the students to pick multiple choices too allows them to get the correct answer while also potentially adding too much. So it kind of overcorrects in a way or allows them to think about overcorrecting and not running too many tests or giving too many medicines, even if it might be appropriate under certain situations. So it was just really intriguing how you guys set that up, in my opinion. Thank you. Yeah, it was pretty much based on my experiences as a new doctor, as in where do we really screw up when we start to treat patients in practice? How can the app really help you sort of improve your skill in those areas? So as you pointed out, Not performing unnecessary investigations and not performing unnecessary interventions is very important, even in this age of defensive medicine. I'm so glad that you and our other users have found that to be useful. Yeah, and it's sort of along the lines of topics we brought up in past episodes, since this is kind of our third episode about gamification of medical education. Our first one was episode 39 with Keegan Longwheeler. And in that one, we really discussed the step-by-step, choose-your-own-destination sort of programming behind his works and kind of bridge the gap into talking about using that more for medical education. And I think we brought that up again in episode 54 with Eric Gantworker from Level X because of all of their apps that have been coming out in the past year or two, three years, I forget when they started. And it seems like you guys had some of that already built in. You had the step-by-step process sort of like a choose-your-own-destination. Do you have any particular sort of algorithms that you use for that? Or maybe that's getting too much into the weeds for the audience, but I'm personally curious how you thought up the different processes and making sure they go on to the next step properly. Sure. Just to be clear, so are we talking about prognosis? So can I speak about the other apps as well here? I'm thinking about prognosis, but you can talk about either one. Got it. If you take prognosis, it's pretty much based on the clinical workflow we are trained to follow, which is you have a patient, take a history and do an examination, then formulate a set of differential diagnoses, then decide which investigations you want to order, and then finally move on to management. It was based on sort of that workflow. One key difference is that prognosis doesn't ask for diagnosis, and that's based on, you know, sometimes in real life, if it's an emergency, 
you can't be iterating through a lot of diagnosis at once. Sometimes, you know, if a guy's blood pressure is crashing down, you need to act. It's based on sometimes you need to slightly bypass that process for practical reasons. That's kind of the idea behind prognosis. We also have clinical sense, which is very much a choose your own journey sort of app, as you've described. How that works is you're placed in the role of a clinician. So scenario starts, you're presented with a patient, then the story goes on, say you examine the patient and now you get a choice. Okay, so you've run basic labs. Which of what other investigation will you run? Will you run a CT scan? Will it be an MRI? Or will you just do an X-ray? And then from based on what you choose there, the story branches. Say if you do an X-ray, maybe you miss something. Whereas if you do a CT scan, you get told off by the radiologist for you know exposing the patient to unnecessary radiation and they just do an MRI instead. Things like that. The broad idea, though, is that prognosis is very much focused on managing a specific presentation at a point in time. So let's say a guy with low abdominal pain presents to the emergency department. And now it really goes in depth as in, okay, so this is the history and examination. What are the tests you'll be running now? What are the interventions you want to run? If you try to order a test which is not immediate, say blood cultures, the app will tell, tell you like, hey, okay, results will be available in so many hours. So it really tries to go in depth about various presentations. So presenting at the ED, say a patient in a hospital setting who gets worse, or a clinic presentation or a more indolent presentation. Clinical sense, on the other hand, is more about managing a patient from start to finish. So from the first point of contact on to, say, admission, to discharge, to follow up, it tries to assess the various crucial decisions you have to make at each point. So prognosis is more about in-depth and clinical sense is about uh, the breadth. And our goal is for the apps to act together synergistically to really cover the spectrum of what you need to learn. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't actually too familiar with clinical sense before, so I'm glad you could differentiate them and kind of give a general idea for the audience. They might find one more appropriate for their current level of knowledge than the other. Would you say that either one of these would be good tests or good practice for maybe a board exam if they have a step one or step two coming up soon? I think what our users say is that because of the prognosis is more MCQ-like format, which is for investigations, for management options, followed by detailed explanation, that they find it better exam preparation, whether it's for the board. They find clinical sense more useful in preparing for clinical exams where you may be assessed on how you approach this patient or your knowledge about the further management and treatment. So I think they both serve a role, but prognosis is probably a bit closer to you know exam-oriented needs. Okay, so it's an interesting division between the two, and I think they're both very useful, at least, I mean, they're free. So anyone can go and download both of them, play around with them in their spare time. Maybe if they're taking a bus to or from school or to the clinic, get a few questions in and gain that more complete sense of the clinical experience if they're not that familiar with it, or hone their skills a little bit better if they are. So I think they're very useful for a wide range of students and physicians. Do you find that you have more physicians that use it or students or is it a mixture? It's a mixture. So I would say it's kind of evenly distributed. So about, I would say one third are students, another third are mainly primary care, family practice and general practice physicians with a few specialists thrown in. And the other third, it's everyone else. So you have a surprising number of nurses, you have quite a lot of uh, PAs. 
we also have you know paramedical uh, professionals using the apps as well i think our smallest group is probably specialists because i think you know our content is a bit too basic for them once you've specialized obviously you need really highly specialized resources otherwise we cover pretty much every other medical profession yeah i forgot to even mention nursing students pa students other physician aligned healthcare students that might find this useful or professionals as well so it's good to see that such a wide range of the audience can really gain some benefit from this and are finding it interesting. Are you aware of much research regarding gamification in medical education? Is it something that is still pretty new? Is it something that has been shown to provide benefit, whether that be maintaining student and learner attention for longer periods of time or gaining better conceptual knowledge of a topic? Or what has been your experience in this so far? We've done a couple of studies with universities over the years, both with students and residents, as well as with uh, practicing physicians. So our first study with medical students, it was roughly structured as in, you know, you'd have a pre-prognosis assessment quiz to assess their knowledge. And then they go through a series of prognosis cases. And then there would be a post-assessment quiz. And what that study found out was that, yes, it disappeared to improve comprehension as well as recall. The second major study, which we did with the American Osteopathic Association, was done by a fair number of their members. That was based actually on the choosing widely series of cases to see whether apps like this could be used to educate practicing physicians on important do's and do nots in their field. That too had a similar result as in there was a marketing improvement in comprehension, better answers at the end. I can't remember the numbers offhand, but a significant number of the physicians said that they saw the value of interactive learning tools and that this is something that should be pursued in medical education. So that's our experience. I'm aware that there have been various research studies over the years with various other tools. Unfortunately, I don't think we've really had a large-scale study with, say, thousands of users, which would be very definitive. And also, most of the studies have had fixed endpoints, as in pre-assessment, post-assessment, did this make a difference? To my knowledge, there have been no long-term studies where you'd check back, say, three months down the line or a year down the line and see whether there was a lasting improvement in their knowledge. My belief, based on how much I've learned from prognosis of our own apps over the years, is that there should be. But medicine is evidence-based and unfortunately, we still don't have enough evidence to support our gut feel. I can see how that would be a problem. And the medical field in general is so slow to make certain changes. And with the current COVID-19 outbreak, a lot of things have been forced to change. A lot of schools are changing, at least temporarily, to the sort of at-home online course curriculum, which is something we've advocated here for a long time. And a lot of telemedicine is branching out, which people that have been advocating for that for years are finally seeing some change. And maybe the next step is going to be changing the actual curriculum in making it more interactive, in adding gamification, in adding these medical education technologies into the curriculum a little bit more in different ways of teaching, different ways of creating content and seeing great rewards from them, great returns on the little bit of changes and investments that it's going to take initially. Absolutely. As someone who's both a doctor and a programmer, I've always seen the role of technology as a way of freeing, I mean, we humans, we only have 24 hours in a day. We can't clone ourselves and do a lot of work. 
but technology can scale limitlessly. And I see technology as a way of removing, you know, this cut work, whether it's teaching, whether it's the rest of medicine, and really allowing us doctors to focus on what's important. Take lectures. A lecture is a way of pouring knowledge into someone else's mind. Sure, how it's done right now is you as a faculty just conduct the same lecture over and over again each year. But you might as well, you know, just put it on a video, ask students to watch that video, and then devote that time maybe to answering questions or to following up with students who are weak and freeing yourself from a repetitive, monotonous activity to allow you to focus on high-quality stuff. Yes, unfortunately, the problem with medicine is, I can't remember who said it, but there's a famous saying that medicine advances one grave at a time. I certainly don't (laughs) advocate that, but the reality is the attitudes many older faculty have is that I learned it this way. It's worked from the time of Hippocrates or Galen. Why do we need to change? It's really as the generations change that technology comes into medicine. I guess that the COVID-19 outbreak has been a real, I shouldn't call it a boon because it's bad news for a lot of people, but at least in the case of medicine, it's really disrupted stuff. It's forced people to work with the power of online and I hope there are going to be lasting benefits so that, uh, as you said, we add more interactivity, we add more gamification, we make medicine more fun to learn, and we free up lecturers to focus on, you know, the stuff that a machine can't do. Exactly. Breaking down those borders. I like it. So where is Medical Joyworks going in the future? What are some projects you have going on or where are you planning on taking these works in the near future? Right now, our focus is on getting our learning resources into institutions. As I mentioned at the start of the podcast, we have a product called Clinical Sense University, which is pretty much the Clinical Sense content, plus some other learning modules not on the app, packaged together. The students can consume those apps. Faculty members can have an admin console via which they can organize the content into courses and get detailed analytics on student performance and performance by learning module and so on. We had an interesting enough reception for that. We created a new system called Clinical Odyssey which is all our clinical sense content, all of our prognosis content, all of our explained medicine content, plus some additional content not on the apps put together. Students, again, this time it's a web-based app because a lot of faculty told us we'd really like to have this available through the app because some students may not have smartphones. Fair enough. Plus advanced analytics, plus super easy administration for faculty members, and most importantly, the ability for faculty to actually edit learning modules to customize them for their own university or institution as they want. We are really making a push into there because I think we've done quite a lot on the individual side. But if you really want to change medical education for the better, if you really want to make a lasting change, you have to work with academia. And actually, the COVID crisis has sped things up a bit. For sure, academics are more willing to listen to this sort of solutions now. I'm happy to hear that it's going into universities or trying to break into that sort of institutional setting. That'll definitely open up the doors for you guys and for others in the near future that want to help make these really useful and interactive and attention-grabbing resources for students, for learners. And the editability of each module makes it useful in the clinical setting. Every instructor can edit it to their own needs, which is perfect. I really like that that's been added into the university. So as we start to get towards the end of this interview, one of the questions I like to always ask is, if there's one thing you could go back in time and change, what would it be? Oh boy, if you asked me for a laundry list, that would have been easier. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I think my deepest regret is not looking at partnering with academia before. As you might have gathered from my introduction, I'm quite individualistic, maybe even libertarian. And, uh, you know, I'm like the individual for himself, take control of your learning and become a better doctor. That's why prognosis, clinical sense and explain medicine are apps. That's why they are free and uh, readily downloadable and all that so that individuals can really uh, do it. I've always looked at dealing with institutions as it's a painful process, you know, because with an individual doctor or medical student, they download the app. Either they like it or they don't. It's a simple thing. With institutions, it's about figuring out who to talk to. It's about figuring out who else to talk to. It's about dealing with institutional politics because some people may not want change. We've had multiple universities approach us over the years saying like, hey, can you put your apps into our university? We partnered with them on an individual basis. But it's only in the last year that we really thought, okay, how do we work with institutions? And it's been quite a learning experience as in, okay, so this is how faculty think. These are their learning objectives. These are so different from what individual users expect. And I keep on thinking, and now that I understand how faculty, what their needs are, it's become a lot easier to explain why and how our apps can help their students. But I keep on thinking, okay, so this wasn't that bad. I should have done this five years ago. Hey, I should have done this 10 years ago at the start. And instead of having all these preconceptions. But yeah, if I could go back in time, from the moment prognosis became popular, I'd have started speaking to academia. I might not have got anywhere for a few years, <laughs> but still, you know, that's better to start early than late. I'm going to need to pick your brain on that a little bit later when my Find a Rotation app comes out, because that's definitely something we're going to look at doing in the future is partnering up with institutions. But it does seem like a daunting <laughs> test, so I can totally understand why you put that off for a little bit. Make sure that the app is popular, fix all the bugs, make sure... It's satisfying that audience need, and then you can take the next step. Absolutely. And at the start, I wrote a lot of the prognosis cases at the start and then had them checked by specialists in various specialties. And after a lot of back and forth and rubbing out stuff and so on, they published them. And then from scratch, I built up a peer review process where you have one of our writers would say, pick a topic and create a case on it. Then... We built an international medical board of over 150 specialists. So we send each learning module to at least two of them. Then we get their feedback. We make changes. We keep on doing it until all the peer reviewers say yes to an almost general standard of quality. That took several years because frankly, when I started this, I had absolutely no idea about how to do this sort of quality control. As you said, one step at a time, bit by bit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do you have any last minute parting thoughts for the audience? I'd like to leave one pearl of wisdom from my medical student days, uh, take it or leave it, which is medicine is a vast area and trying to remember or study everything is impossible. Even though I didn't really attend lectures and I wasn't really studious, my goal was whenever I studied a new area, I'd look at the past papers, then look at the book and try to figure out what can I forget. So instead of what do I remember, what can I safely forget and study the rest. And I did have good results in my degree. It's probably anathemic to say this. Academics will probably want to crucify me. But as a medical student, you need to pass exams. I think that's <laughs> one thing. And I think the second thing is, you know, in medicine, the reason we call our new product clinical odyssey is because medicine is an odyssey. I mean, it's a long, twisting, winding path with monsters here and there. And it takes a long time to get where you are. But the more you're in medicine, the better it gets. Being an intern is better than being a medical student. 
being a resident is better than an intern and being a specialist is, you know, best of all. Just always keep your eyes focused on the light at the end of the tunnel. And that's the most important thing. Taking one step at a time. Yep, I agree. Where can the audience find out more about you and your apps? I'd recommend that they go to our website, www.medicaljoyworks.com. It's Medical Joyworks as a single word, no spaces or dashes in between. That's probably the best place. Otherwise, just search for prognosis or clinical sense or explain medicine on the app store and they should pop up as you know, the first result in the first couple. That's also a way. If anyone would like to learn about our institutional products, clinical sense and clinical odyssey, feel free to write to me directly at nine at medicaljoyworks.com or you know, contact us through the Medical Joyworks contact form. Either way, it'll reach me in the end and I'll get back to you. You definitely can type those in the App Store anyway. I'm not sure on the Android side, but it pops up very easily. The Clinical Sense one now I'm going to have to try out once we get off of this call because I'm curious to see how that differs from the Prognosis app. All right, Dr. Nayana Samaratna of Medical Joyworks, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you, Chase. Thank you for having me. We hope you enjoyed this episode. For links to connect to us, email us, or for previous episodes, please see the show notes. We'd also love to hear from you. So please send an email or join us on the Medical Anemonist Mastermind Facebook group. Any ideas, tips, tricks, people that you'd like to hear interviewed, we'd love to hear it. Any advice to make the show better and more enjoyable would be greatly appreciated. 